0: One of the first decisions that people need to take when they want to build a startup is to decide on the programming language they're going to use. We hear from a lot of different people, a lot of different technologies that they want to use. But we have this kind of rule. The first thing that you look at is the people you have at hand. So if you already have your own team and they know a certain language, go with that language because it will be the easiest for them to get things started and to basically build something rapidly. Because that's important, of course, in an early stage startup. Some languages are better suited for, for certain things. You pick the right tool for the job. My name is Andreas Katen. I'm the founder and CEO of Made With Love.
1: This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead. A team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Andreas Creighton started an agency made up of CTOs to help up-level startups and scale-ups. All this and more on Code Story. Andreas Creighton has been in tech for as long as he can remember, and even started a company when he was 18 years old. He's a family man with three kids, which is what he spends most of his spare time on. He likes to do carpentry as well, and he recently built a cabin in his garden for him to work remotely. His bucket list item, though, is to build a truly remote cabin in the forest someday. Andreas started an agency in the normal fashion, taking on development projects and delivering results. What happened was that businesses started asking their team to be interim CTOs and help lead the technical strategy for those companies. This is the creation story of Made With Love.
0: So what we do with Rated Love is we help startups and scale-ups that get into technical trouble. We're not a SaaS company, but we help SaaS companies. And uh, we are basically a bunch of software engineers and CTOs helping out on really like a very practical level, like programming and, and mentoring uh, engineering teams, but also on a higher level as a CTO at interim or for example as VP engineering or engineering manager. I started made it love as, as just a normal agency, right, web development agency, but it evolved into this because customers started asking us to be the CTO at Intrim in startups. I think we took our first like, real gig like this in 2010, and uh, that was our first gig that we did like this kind of interim CTO, and, um, and from there it took off basically. Um, we've been doing um, them over 50 times now, I, I believe, that we've been a CTO in a, in a company. Basically, I, I, I was a programmer. I saw that a lot of companies have a hard time making the bridge between engineering and the business side of things. And that's really where we are with Made with Love is to, to basically make that bridge. We can talk with engineers on the engineering level, but also we could talk with, with the investors, with on the boards, with the founders of a company on a more business level. And, and we bring both of that worlds together, basically.
1: Tell me about the origination story or, or what you would coin the MVP of Made With Love, right? Um, I get it. You're you're building software for teams. You're, you're partnering with teams. You're building the teams around the software. That first version where you stepped out and you started doing this. Tell me about that and what sort of tools you used to bring it to life.
0: There's two, two sides to that. So first of all, starting of Made With Love itself as a company, as the agency. That's like, I guess, a typical story. Somewhere in 2005 or something, in 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 really in, in the in our bedrooms, basically, um, we started programming websites for for people. That's how we did law started. But like how we really started doing this very focused startup thing is because investors um, noticed what we were doing from a takeover perspective. We were typically we were helping um, startups like build their products. Um, but then we switched into more like helping them build their products. Um, I think there's a very big difference uh, in that. So there's a lot of agencies still today that actually build uh, a product as a project, let's say. And then when the project is done, they're done with, with building a product. But of course, in a product world, that's that's impossible. The product is, is never done. And so we really changed our role from being project oriented to you kind of rent a team. Uh, you could say start a team as a service, you rent a team from our side, hopefully you also have some people uh, on, on your side and if you don't have those people on your side we will basically um yeah urge you to, to hire them and so that we can work together that we can train the people in the company that we're dealing with and that we can bring them up to a, a technical level where we, where we believe they should be um so that we also can leave after a while um and that's really what we uh, what you do and i I guess, like I mentioned, the first gig that we did was, was The Next Web, which is like a very big blog platform. Um, and actually the funny thing uh, from that is, um, it, it was built in WordPress, which of course, um, I think it was 2010, um, was, was still a lot uh, more immature than it is today. And, uh, and for example, one of the things that originated from that is uh, is um, the WordPress uh, command line interface that I built. Um, so it's now part of WordPress itself. Um, but that originated from the fact that I had to manage 50 WordPress blogs um, all by hand, because that's how you do WordPress stuff. You have to click and do things in the interface or in the database. And so I was totally fed up with that and I wrote a tool to do that from the common client so we could integrate it in a, in a CI/CD pipeline. Um, and it's these kind of things that we did and that people started noticing um, so that they also started um, looking at us to, to get help on, on different projects. Um, another example of, of how we, um, yeah, got known, is we've been very early in the Laravel community, um, so the Laravel framework. Um, we've been very early um, involved in that, and also we, we picked some core contributors from the framework um, that we hired to work for, for to Love. And so that's also how we got a lot um yeah in in, in dealing with, with these kind of uh, projects. Yeah.
1: Okay, so with any first version of anything, right, you have to make certain decisions and trade-offs about how you proceed, right? How you build things, how you approach problems, and I hear some of that in, you know, how you describe building the word, the, the WordPress, uh, you know, CI/CD command line tool. Uh, but, I, but I would love to know a little more about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to work through and the process of actually working through them and how you cope with the decisions.
0: Even today... Every project, we have to take these kind of decisions. Um, we are very pragmatic, um, or we try to be very pragmatic in these kind of things. Um, and also, we really look also from the economical side of things. Um, one of the first decisions that people need to take when they build when they build a startup is to decide on the programming language they're going to use. And um, we hear from a lot of different people, a lot of different technologies that they want to use, but we have this kind of rule. The first thing that you look at um, for which program language to use is the people you have at hand. So if you already have your own team and they know a certain language, go with that language because it will be the easiest for them to get things started and to basically build something rapidly. Because that's important, of course, in an early stage started. Um, second, you pick the right tool right to, for the job. Um, so, um, some languages are better suited for, for certain things. For example, if you want to do real time stuff, you might be better off with a programming language like like Node.js. Um, if you want to build uh, normal web applications, I guess PHP uh, might be a good choice. If you're going to do data science, probably you'll end up with Python. But a very important aspect for me as well to take into account is the availability of developers for the language that you're choosing. We see a lot of companies actually struggle or fail with hiring developers because they have chosen technology, which basically there's no developers for in the market that that they're looking for. We're dealing obviously a lot with Belgian companies or or European companies. For example, if you're going to start a company using Golang um, or Go uh, in in, in Europe, um, there's very, very limited people that actually know the language and that know it very well. Um, and so these kind of decisions are typically not something that a CTO thinks about because they think in technology terms. And this is really edge that we we like to bring in is like to also think from the from the from the business perspective. Like, okay, if we want to hire 12 people locally doing no de, uh, doing go development, is that realistic, right? And it turns out most of the time that it's not the case. Um, and then of course. Um, the first thing that we will do when we start building something is to make a budget which is also something that ctos don't don't uh, very often do so um we really think about these kinds of, of things and then if you're talking about really the, the building of the tool itself um we think there you need to make also the right choices um pick a good framework that that takes a lot of stuff out of your hands don't try to reinvent the wheel focus on the right things i think a very good example of that is probably every SaaS startup uh, has to build a billing system right uh, at one point in time because they want to invoice their customers but um you don't need at launch right if you're going to have maybe in the first months you'll maybe have like hopefully you have a lot of customers but to be realistic maybe in the first month you onboard 10 customers that, that's already a very good thing i guess um, and maybe then the next month maybe 20 um why would you build a billing system and it would it takes you quite some time uh, to in- integrate it. Um, just do it by hand until it becomes painful. When it becomes too painful, then you automate it. Um, and the billing system, of course, now you have things like Stripe Billing that, that take most of the, the pain away there. Um, but um, it, it goes with other things as well. So do things manually until they, they hurt. Um, and then when they hurt too much, then you automate automated. And it's the same for like ID card verification. You can do that with plenty of services that are very expensive, um, but you can also do that manually to start with. And I think users still are okay with, with waiting a bit uh, to, get, to get approved. Um, and that's really something that, that we've preached to, to the companies we deal with, is really focus on, on, on your IP, on the core value that you're going to bring to the customer. And all these side things, uh, of course, are important, but they're not your, your main focus in the beginning.
1: So from that, we'll say from the early days to now, right? How have you progressed your agency, your approach, you know, essentially your organization? How have you matured it? How have you figured out, okay, this is the next way we need to do things, or this is the next most important thing we need to address within Made With Love?
0: So there was a couple of things. First of all, um, it's all organic. Um, so we, 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 I think in 2014, we grew by one person a month, um, today we're 20 people, um, and um, that was very aggressive. Um, we were a small company luckily we had a lot of documentation so for us it was very easy to onboard people but we kind of underestimated the cultural impact of that as well so that's something that that when i look back at it might not have been the, the wisest thing to do um but um um Basically, what, what, we, um, what we do is we try to grow organically. Actually, today we say we don't want to grow. Uh, we maybe want to grow with one or two people um, a year. And there have been some points in the, in the lifetime of Made Love, which is for 14 years uh, now, uh, this month, um, where, for example, we decided, I mean, like every agency in the beginning, we were also doing like hosting, like uh, website hosting and stuff like that. So I guess that was the first hard decision to sunset the hosting part of things. Um, We used our own framework and our own CMS system um, uh, back in the days as well. Um, And at one point in time, we decided to basically stop supporting it. Um, First of all, we stopped using it and then a few years later, we decided to stop supporting it. We see a lot of other companies that are doing agency work that are still maintaining these kind of old things. We actually put a hard cut and, and sometimes it was very hard for the companies that we were dealing with. But for us, it was better as a company um, to to do that, and now we use open source frameworks, and we don't have that problem anymore. Um, and then um, and then we actually, did, I think, the, the most important decision that we made is, is was really to focus on the startups and the scale ups. Um, so we're not doing any corporate work anymore. Uh, we really want to be in this kind of um, yeah in this kind of niche and we really set some kind of rules for ourselves, like what's the stuff that we want to do and what stuff we don't want to do. And for us, it's very important, for example, that we can work on the core product. So we don't want to work on like utilities that are used by a, a team. We really want to work on the product that generates the revenue. Um, and so by defining these kind of very clear rules on like what we want to do, it was rather easy for ourselves to, um, yeah, to basically um, grow and and be the company that we are today. And today we, most of our leads actually come from investors um, because of course we work with startups and scale-ups, there's always investors involved or most of the times investors involved in in those companies and they see what we do and they actually start recommending us to other companies in their portfolio. That's basically how we, how we get our business today. Um, And actually in somewhere in 2000, I guess, 16. Uh, one of the investors that was involved in a company that we were working with uh, asked us to do technical due diligence on on a, on a new deal they wanted to close, and um, and then we realized okay that's maybe an interesting thing for us for us to get involved in because as a company um, we know pretty well how how a scale up needs to go in terms of technology, um, and so we started doing that um, first like really ad hoc because an investor asked us to do so, and then actually three years ago we decided to to go all in on that. I mean, of course, we're still doing other other stuff. But today we do one, um, yeah, one due diligence a week. So we are very active in that. Uh, So we review a lot of companies technically. And I guess it has been also a very important step in where we are with Made With Love. Um, And then the last most recent step, um, I guess it was in the beginning of the pandemic yeah, 2020. Um, We decided to stop doing our product management work. So we used to be, and my co-founder is a a more product person, he left the company. I mean, he left. The, uh, he sold his shares uh, by now. Um, but basically, he um, he was more of a product person. I'm more of a technical person, and so we were doing both product management and the technical stuff. And in 2020, we decided to to really focus on the technical side of things because that's where we add the most value. Um, and we basically um, are going to split off, or, or we actually stopped taking on product management work under the name of Major Love. We've made a new brand uh, called Smooth Selling. Uh, and we're actually branching it off like as a le- other legal entity um, by the end of, uh, of June um, to become an independent company, and, and to, there is someone else leading that. Um, so I guess those have been the most important kind of milestones in in what we do, and and we are really really focused now, and that's what I really like. People know what they need to um, come to us for, um, and and yeah, I love I love that.
1: Well, let's switch to team then. So, how did you build your team of engineers, CTOs, of builders? How did you go about building that team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they're the winning horses to join you? So,
0: we have a, an awesome team that's really, I mean, and our customers also say that, and new joiners, they always, we, a lot of people say, like, yeah, it, like from the outside, it looks like you're a very cool company. But then when you're in it, it's, it's indeed like who you are. Um, and um, we look for a couple of things in people Um, first of all we we have a very good check on the culture Um, it needs to be cultural ads, not only cultural fit eh? Um, so we try to find people that bring an extra edge to our team that's very important for us Um, and and there's a couple of things that that, um, traits that we look into people Um, for example we want them uh, to be responsible so they need to be able to manage themselves so we don't have like account managers or whatever in between them and the customer, they're like one-on-one communication, so they need to be communicating very well as well. Um, And for example, um, how we did that in the beginning, and today we're still looking at that, is we were looking for public speakers. So we were looking for people that would climb on a stage and explain them, explain like on a conference, um, what technology is about. And the people that we have in our company today are still people with that uh, capability. So they are very well explaining themselves explain to non-technical people about technology, but they're also still programmers. Uh, And that's a very unique kind of, um, yeah, team that we have, like to have both that kind of verbal capability of explaining yourself in an easy, non-technical manner, and also being very, very deep on the technical side of things. Um, And then we look for like T-shapes. So we want our people to be um, full stack or at least have a, a notice of everything, but with a very deep, uh led. So um, we want them to also specialize uh, really in something So if, like people who are more into infrastructure is they're very specialized front end people, back end people. Um, yeah
1: so let's talk about scalability. And with you know with an agency, scalability is always a topic but it's not exactly you know spoken of with an agency the same way. So I'm just gonna ask it generically. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or you know, have you been fighting this as you've grown and gained traction?
0: We've always been a remote company. I think that's also important to mention. Um, so we had a lot of documentation from the beginning. Um, so we actually had, like, people in different, in different countries from, from our second year, I think. So it was required to have documentation. Um, and because we had, like, very good documentation um, on how the company runs and, and what we expect from our people, um, and because we were already asy- async, it was actually very easy for us to scale things up. Um, but it's not that we had it in mind like it needs to go this way. Um, but it, it that's just how it, how it how it, go, uh, how it went. And um, actually today we say we don't want to scale up too much. We don't want to grow too much anymore because I think I really like to be involved in projects myself still. And I think if we grow over like the 25, 30 people, because we have been 25 people uh, to be exact, um, when you go over that, you kind of lose control um, over your team and you have to start having some kind of layer of middle management. And that's something that we want to avoid. Um, so I really like it small and, and a, basically a boutique, very niche agency. And that's that's what we are. Um, and we're still growing, but not in the people count, but in, in the revenues and, uh, and the kind of projects that we do.
1: Well, then. As you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: Definitely the team. We have a bunch of, of really, really good developers in our team. Um, and we deal a lot with legacy and technical depth as well. Um, so we, we most of the projects that we get our hands into uh, dirty on. Basically our projects where shit is hitting the fan and um, the people in the company actually don't know how to get out of it. And then we come in and, and uh, and fix things. And so being in that role is very demanding of our team and you need to be um, very confident of yourself as well to to be able to step into something like that and and kind of even de-mine de- it in, in, in most of the situations um, and to make a plan on how to move forward. Um, and that's like with our team, I, every single person in the team, I can trust them to send them basically into that minefield and they'll manage and I don't need to to call them every 10 minutes to, to check in uh, how, how they're doing, and that's really a very, very good asset. Um, I can just run the company, and I have to don't have to worry about like my people doing their job, and that's a really awesome feeling.
1: Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made, and how you and your team responded to it.
0: You could say mistake. I I uh, took a sabbatical for a year um, from Edward Love in two thousand fifteen, I guess. Um, yeah, and. Um, I went on an adventure to, to start a company in San Francisco, um, so I moved there as well uh, for for half a year. Um, I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but it um, it was the best comp- the best year for Major Love <laughs> um, when I was not there. Um, and so it made me realize that that when I came back, um, because I was fed up with being in a product company, um, um, when I came back, I realized that probably I was sometimes even too hands-on as a manager. So I took Kind of a step back and, and that really helped with, with creating the space for the people the, the freedom for them to to bring in their own uh knowledge as well or, or even um their own techniques that they, that they that they master um and to let them really decide like how they want to approach the project better than always trying to put my way of working uh, into it and that really um yeah that really opened I mean, and I, I didn't realize it at that time, but I think maybe a year later that I realized, okay, this is basically what changed over that uh, time period that I was away, is that basically they got more responsibility, and by doing that, we've become a better company. And um, since then, I'm, I, I, I don't, I'm not that involved anymore into, into all projects. I used to be involved in help, all projects, now I'm involved in my own projects.
1: Well, what does the future look like for Made with Love and for your team?
0: More of the same, I would say. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we have a couple of projects that we're that we're doing. So, first of all, uh, like I mentioned, we're splitting, splitting off that the product management company. So, basically, they they are on their own feet, and and they also have grown massively in the in the in the past two years since since we started uh, building it. I think there are six people now, and, and they'll soon be nine. Um, and um. For MintLove itself, I think um, the most important thing is we want to scale it up a bit, maybe to 25 people. Um, and yeah, we want us to, to, to grow in the type of customers that we have. So we want to have more interesting projects, uh, projects that, that contribute to, to society. Um, so so um, I think that's very important for us. And then we have a couple of internal things that we want to make public. Um, actually, I'm, I'm putting the last hands this week on a book. Um, about how we run the company um so that's, that's one thing and second we're building um what we call content platform there's no real name for it yes but it's like uh some kind of handbook on, on, on or not a handbook the reasons why we do certain things uh in a certain way so very uh, easy example is why we think pull requests are important or code reviews are important and why we believe every company should uh, be doing them um, Another, is, for example, on pair programming. Why do we believe in pair programming? What's the what value does it bring? Because a lot of managers, for example, they think it's a waste of time. But if you can have like a good, um, let's say, um, independent source telling a manager like why is it important to do pair programming, um, then they might be convinced of doing it. And that's the kind of that's the value that we want to um, to bring public um, probably in the next year. And we're currently writing the articles with the team. Um, and on our retreat in September, we're going to give that a, a major push. We're going to spend a lot of time writing uh, more articles on that, uh, on, on a variety of topics.
1: Well, let's switch to you, Andreas. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or persons that you look up to and why.
0: I used to say, say Jason Frey uh, from, from Basecamp. They totally let me down in the, with their whole yeah, diversity or, or politics. Uh, thing, but definitely they shaped um, a lot of um, how I built the company uh, with mainly Getting Real, their first book um, and um, I think second is again our team, um, I really listen to how they would like to work um, and I do a lot of one-on-ones with them and they really shape how we run the company as well um, other than that I don't think there was like one specific person that I, that I really look up to
1: so we talked about a mistake, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different, or where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: Lots of people ask me that, I'm, and um, I'm actually writing a chapter for another book, and it's the the, the title of the book is "Letters to F- to Future Founders," um, and um, and there also I'm like kind of exploring like what's the kind of stuff that I would do different, and I guess it would be mainly my personal life. I don't think it would be made with love that there was a lot of things that I would do different, uh, maybe to go directly remote because we had an office for for a while. Um, but um, from a personal perspective, um, I think a lot of people when they start a business, they think they have to work like crazy amount of hours. Um, that's not necessary and it's going to destroy your personal life uh, I, mean, I almost lost my relationship over it and and it's, I mean, life is more important than running a business and I think that's a very big lesson that I learned. Um, and now with the three kids, um, I also take a lot of time to take care of them uh, while my wife is working, for example, um, and, 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 and basically enjoy the time with them. Like I, in the weekend, I rarely open my computer. Um, in the week, I'll be there when they go to bed, I'll be there when they wake up. I work maybe a bit later in the night and to, to, to catch up with some stuff But I really organize my life around them. Um, because I've seen other kids when I was young that were their dads were never there and that's not the kind of dad I want to, to be. Um, so I think that's an important lesson to give.
1: Well, last question, Andreas. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing or let's say the next big company or agency or, or thing. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: Focus. I think that's really, I mean, that's a really important uh, thing. Um, I'm mentoring also other younger founders and um, I'm I'm, I'm mentoring two two people right now. And one of them is like, he started the company two years ago, and now we're already able to start another company and and leave the first company over to someone else. But I mean, that's, that's possible of course, but the question is like, what do you want to achieve in life? Um, and with what we do in Made Love, I've been doing it for 14 years. I've been focusing on Made Love mainly, and, and recently I decided to only focus on it. And and that really helps, makes my life a lot simpler. Um, I sold like all the stakes, I did other stuff, uh, or where I was involved in to really focus on, on one thing and, and to spend all my energy in that. And of course it takes years um, to, and, and yeah, encourage and I guess patience to build something. Um, for us, it also took I guess six, seven years until we really had this kind of product market fit, if you want, uh, if that exists for a service company. Um, but then it really paid off. Um, yeah, fighting so hard to 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 find our place, and we have had people where we, I mean, like. I would say competitors or companies that we were looking up to. And even we I went there telling what we are doing and the founders of those companies would like break us down like, oh, that's never going to work. And the startup is never going to hire you. Um, and now if you see what we're doing, um, yeah, I was think back of these kind of moments and then I, I laugh about, yeah, those people that were um, not seeing actually what, what, what we wanted to do. And, um, and that, I guess that's the most important, thing. like focus, it, it takes patience. Um, encouraged to to, to pursue uh, building a, a good agency, um, and maybe the last thing uh, is bootstrapping is always better than getting external investment. Um, it's true for startups if it's if it's possible, uh, but especially for agencies, um, it's easy to take money off the table. Obviously, to bring in someone externally, but it means that you're kind of you lost your business and. Yeah, we, have, we actually did it. Um, so I sold part of, I mean we sold part of the business to to an external fund, but we bought it back um, because we we are basically overgrown them, let's say, um, in terms of how we want to run the business. So um, if it's not necessary, don't do it.
1: That's great advice. Well Andreas, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Made with Love. You're welcome. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com/codestory for just 5 to 10 bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.